Real quick, my friends, if you want to make more money with less marketing of your books, then go to my website, zbooks.co, and download my free niche finder tool at the top of the page. It's called Free Niche Finder Tool. And when you download that tool, you're going to get a bunch of emails from me that show you exactly what to do and video tutorials, and you're going to make more money by optimizing your books. I've helped a lot of people with this tool already. So go to zbooks.co and get the free niche finder tool. All right, back to that podcast. Welcome to Zbooks, second podcast of all, and I have the honor now to interview Mr. Michael Shreve. And in case you don't know who Michael Shreve is, he wrote this article, How I Sold 978 Fiction Ebooks Per Day in 2014. And ever since that, me and my readers have been just foaming at the mouth to, to interview <laughs> this guy. So let's, let's get to know Mr. Mike Shreve. Mike, you're in um, Seattle right now. Yeah, just up in uh, up in Washington here. It's uh, nice weather. Things are going swimmingly, just riding away. Right. So when when I saw this article, how I sold 978 fiction ebooks, I also went to the podcast. Um, I don't even remember what website that was, and uh, the podcast is fascinating. Uh, you 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 write 10,000 words a day. Yeah, between 10 and 15,000 words per day. Um, I usually will wake up around six or seven in the morning, get right to work, and go till about eleven at night. Wow, that's about six days a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's dedication. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, another thing is uh, one of the core what, what seems to be uh, what really gets the readers uh, interested is the, the Facebook ads, and I'm afraid most people are going to think it's a silver bullet. You know, I write a book, I make a Facebook book ad, and then boom, I'm in business. You know, and I'm sure mm-hmm. it's not like that. What, yeah. Um, yeah? Yeah, I think the silver bullet is um, writing a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, I think if you look at any indie author success, with the exception of Andy Weir and The Martian, of whom I'm very jealous, <laughs> that guy, that guy yeah. struck it rich off of one book, you know. Uh, wow. But I think, if you if you take the sort of mid-lister approach, which is what I've which I've, I've is the is the model I'm sort of aiming after. It's the Isaac Asimov approach to to building a writing career. Oh, my Write favorite! Many, yeah, writing as many books as you possibly can. Then it doesn't matter what type of advertising you do. You know, I think there's guys uh, like uh, that Stevenson guy who just did that big product launch. Um, Nick Stevenson. Yeah, Nick Stevenson. Yeah, Nick Stevenson. And there's another guy who's just released Facebook training. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's you know, hot right now. Yeah, they're releasing a lot of Facebook trainings. But I think it's the, the silver bullet is to have a lot of books and then to find a way to get all of those books in front of people. Now, it doesn't matter if it's Facebook. It doesn't matter if it's stuff like Freebooksy or BookBub. Um, I'm using Pinterest ads a lot right now, and they're actually working better than Facebook ads. I'm ah. also using Facebook video ads, which are getting cheaper cost per click and better downloads. So that will always change. The way that you deliver your content is always going to change. That's the nature of the Internet. Okay. A year ago, Facebook ads were costing me about one penny to two pennies per click. Now they're costing me about six to eight pennies per click. And mm-hmm. and I consider myself very, very good at Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, as as these these sort of um, advertising platforms get more popular, they get more competitive and they get more expensive. So the silver bullet isn't the ad platform. It's the having a ton of books and then figuring out a way that works for you to mm-hmm. get those books in front of other people. That's, um, and that will always change. That's great advice. It's the process, not the platform, right? Yeah, exactly. You even look at uh, James Patterson, right? So James Patterson built his career <laughs> mm-hmm. by, you know, he got his first book traditionally published, and then the publishers were like, hey, we're not going to, you know, give you a big marketing budget. Well, he was an ad guy, and mm-hmm. he said, well, forget this. I'm going to drop the $2,000 myself and run a TV commercial. Mm-hmm. And he was like one of the first authors to run a TV commercial. Well, now. 
now he's running YouTube commercials. Mm -hmm. And he's one of the only authors that I've ever seen do that. So even he is changing over time um, the -hmm. way that he's delivering the advertising for his books as well. Interesting. And you mentioned Nick Stevenson, who is – I I read his reader magnets – and mm-hmm. I, I did it, and that's how I got my first followers in one day, no problem. Uh, I'm a big fan of Nick Stevenson. So what do you think about the perma-free model where you always have the first book in the series free leads to the next book and so on? Uh, I think that it worked amazingly last year. Yeah, you sold I a million think- or gave away a million books? Yeah, I gave away a little over a million, yeah, and then wow. sold something like 350,000 or something like that. I have to get the specific numbers. Um, but yeah, so for every, you know, 10 that we'd give away, three would buy into the next book. Um, what I'm actually doing this year is, is getting away from that model, and the, mm-hmm. the, the reason is twofold. One is there's a better way to give away free books, and that's Kindle Unlimited. Um, really? And, and you can actually, uh, target with your Facebook ads people who like your genre, and also like Kindle Unlimited. So in other words, people who are members of Kindle Unlimited who are in your genre. And so you can show Facebook ads to them, and you can say in the Facebook ad, hey, this book is free on Kindle Unlimited. And then they go download it for free. And there's there's a couple of advantages to that. One, you get paid Mm -hmm. for the pages read, right? So you get paid for giving away free books. Uh And then the the second one is that... Kindle Unlimited, as far as as much data as I've seen, is given preference in ranking, mm-hmm. especially over free books. So mm-hmm. even even about last September, October, free books were um, – it used to be that a free book, depending on how many downloads it would get, would get the same ranking as a paid book. Mm-hmm. Then they changed that, and it got less effective. Now with Kindle Unlimited, I think it's even less effective in terms of the visibility you get on Amazon itself. So this is gold because ever since Amazon have changed uh, their – what is it? Their payout in Kindle mm-hmm. Unlimited and their reviewing algorithms. They're deleting more reviews. Mm-hmm. A lot of authors are just – steaming and they're saying okay i'm going wide now and no more kindle unlimited no more kindle select i'm going all platforms now and you now are directly uh countering that because in order to be in kindle unlimited you have to be kindle select right mm-hmm. yep yeah right so you're 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 three months bound to amazon you're allowed to put 10 percent of the book in a preview on your blog or anywhere but mm-hmm. you, you 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 have to stay with amazon you're not allowed to publish it anywhere and okay, so and this seems like a one-two punch with with because I've tried these Facebook ads already, and mm-hmm. I've I have found that um, much easier to use than AdWords, but you can't yeah. you, you can't revive a dead book with it. <laughs> right, right. And uh, so yes, exactly. You were talking about this targeting, and that is what I find fascinating with Facebook because you know with AdWords. You do keywords, what people search for, which has its advantages. But with Facebook, you can go direct to a group of people. And what happened with me was I said, okay, English and this, interest that, blah, 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 divorced dads. And yeah. I, and then I, um, I got 24 likes on my ad from the United Arab Emirates <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> yeah. not one sale. You know, yeah. everybody liked yeah. my cover. Gee, thanks. 24 likes. Buy the book. No, doesn't, it's not that simple. So this seems like a really interesting one-two punch. You can target the people in Kindle Unlimited and Facebook. I did not find that pull-down menu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can do that. There's the, another thing that you can do also is um, if you have – if you're getting sales on your book, and this really only kind of works if you have some volume um, – if you're getting sales on your book and you have a link in the back of your book to say, hey, come join, you know, join my email list, to either get a free story or, right. or just to stay updated, you can put a tracking pixel on the page of your website where they go to sign up for their email list, right? Or Facebook sign up for your tracking pixel? Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. And what that, that Facebook tracking pixel will do is it will build a website custom audience. And yes. what, what, what that means is it will, it will, it will, track the specific people who have ended up on your on on that page well then what you do is you take that website custom audience and you build Mm -hmm. a a a new audience Mm -hmm. uh off of it called a lookalike audience and the lookalike audience will take the basically the data 
and and sort of, sort of like break down who hit that page. Yeah. You know, figure out more about them, and mm-hmm. then it will build an audience of like a million or two million of people who are just like that person. And then you can run an ad to that lookalike audience, and it will convert significantly better than just running ads to generic interests. This is gold. Like I, I am going to publish this. this is <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but for me, uh, I'm, I'm a beginner, so mm-hmm. I, I understand the pixel. I, I put that on yeah, my mm-hmm. on my web page too, and and so what happens is when when people start visiting your website, it, it starts. Um, transferring to Facebook. So you go to your web, uh, what do you call it, your ad dashboard, and, and then you have an audience there. Mm-hmm. So, so from that pixel, right? So mm-hmm. why make a lookalike audience? You've already got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so what happens is the website custom audience, the pixel that you put on your website to collect people, right? Mm-hmm. that will only collect the people who visit your website. Right. So these are people who have already already shown interest or already bought the book. Right. So we don't necessarily want to pay money to get those people to buy our books. Not yet, not in the beginning. Okay. So you've got this website custom audience of people who have – there's just a select group of people. Let's say it's 100 people. Right. Well, what the lookalike audience does, mm-hmm. which is is generated by Facebook's algorithm – Based off of the data you provide with the website custom audience, what it does is it says – basically you say, dear Facebook, here's my website custom audience. Can you give me a million more people who are exactly like the hundred people that already visited my site? Oh, that is awesome. It's like a multiplier. Yeah. mm -hmm, Yeah. And then what that that does is it opens up your – so basically you've created your own kind of – uh, mm-hmm. audience profile yep. with real data of actual people. So it's not guessing like, yeah. you know, for example, if you target Stephen King mm-hmm. as an interest, you could be targeting people that don't read his books, but just like his movies, hmm. you know? And so there's, there's issues with targeting likes and, and especially if you get into genre, right? If you target romance and you're selling a new adult book, well, not every romance likes new adult, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So this other way allows you to get really, really specific and that's when your ads start getting profitable. This is mad scientist James Bond. I love it. See, I didn't <laughs> I would have never thought about that. I just thought, you know, hey, you run a Facebook ad and then you 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 can use the audience or the the target and the pull down. I mean, they have so many options. It's I really mm-hmm. like it. I wonder if you could do something like that with AdWords too, but okay, that's another animal in itself. Yeah. Um, Okay, and, and yeah. ultimately, just just really ultimately, I think if anyone's listening to this and they're saying, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is way too complicated," there's there's two avenues. One is, you know, to remember that every skill takes time and practice. Yeah, and just get in there and practice and make mistakes, and it's not going to be perfect. It took me a lot of ads before I got profitable, and mm-hmm. and even now, you know, I have to use something called Ad Espresso. Uh-huh. Which What's is that? which is yeah, it's a program that allows you to basically quickly create a bunch of split test ads like in two minutes versus oh. and on any platform. Uh, just for Facebook for now. <clears throat> okay. But it it gives you the clearest answer to which ad is working, and it allows you to make a lot of ads very quickly. Mm-hmm. So within like two or three days, you can make like two or three hundred ads, and then. It's not get. You don't have to guess. You don't have to be good at ads. It'll tell you which ones are working, and then those are the ones that you you use. So I I, I use that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So even now, you know, it's not like I know which ads from mm-hmm. the gate is going to be the best. And then the other thing is, is there are easier ways than Facebook to advertise. There are, you know, um, like those paid newsletters like BookBub. There's yep. There's there's hundreds of those out there. Mm-hmm. Free books, etc. There's genre specific ones. Like if you're in science fiction, there's Book Barbarian. You right. know where all all you have to do is just pay a fee and put up your book, and you know it's yeah. no big deal. So, yeah. but what do you think about those? A lot of people have like 20 Facebook pages in their favorites, and then just you know, not spam them, but they. What do you call it? They they put it in there in the feed. You know, hey, my book's free today, and then they go through all of these 20 Facebook pages. And uh, uh, I don't know if that's effective or not. Uh, or a lot of people think uh, 
uh, a book club you have to pay to be on, right? Two hundred bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, and they have to accept you, of course. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, exactly. So, what, what do you think about that? I'm talking effectivity for time invested. You know, the sure. most. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I use those all the time. Like I use uh, sites similar to BookBub, um, FreeBooksy, etc. Mm-hmm. And I think the important thing to realize with my particular business model is that I don't spend money on ads to get sales. Uh-huh. I spend money on ads to get exposure in the Amazon algorithm, and I let Amazon make the sales for me. So uh-huh. what I do is I spend just enough money on Facebook ads every day to stay in the top 20, right, the first page yep, yep. of my specific subcategory. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's dive deeper into that. So tell us about your ad. Is it the cover of your book and you say – go to this page or what how does right. that work so, so i change the uh, image of my ad about every two to three months because okay. i'll run the same ad to the same audience over time and they'll you know they'll get ad blindness yeah, uh, yeah. from seeing the same image over and over again so it depends on what the the image is of my ad mm-hmm. i do everything from like just capture from oh, my sorry. ad, like maybe have like a cool sorry, robot. Sorry, you're breaking up. Could you repeat that? Oh, yeah. So um, I'll do everything from run just like a scene. So just like a single image of maybe like a guy standing alone in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then it'll say like free on Kindle Unlimited. And that's all it is, right? And then the ad copy will say, you know, best-selling author, giving his book away on Kindle Unlimited, you know, all those sort of uh, ad copy stuff. Interesting. Um, the image, the only purpose of the image is to grab the attention, to make them stop in the news feed. So I've used, I've used everything. Um, sometimes I'll put the book in. Sometimes it will be just the book with like, this book has over 200 five-star reviews or something. You know, there's lots of different uh, ways that you can, can approach that. Mm-hmm. But you don't use the book cover. Uh, every once in a while, I will. Yeah, yeah. Just oh, okay. to just to test. Sometimes that does do better. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with just throwing up the book cover is, um, well, it, it, you might not have a good enough book cover. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. the book cover isn't what pulls people in, and so right. you just right. have to test. Yeah. Before I forget, is Ad Espresso is that a free tool? It's paid for sure, huh? It is paid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, I know. If it's that good, it's got to be paid for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, this is fascinating stuff. So, what is the most effective? Your Facebook ads or your uh, the lists like BookBub? Um, right now, Facebook ads. And when I when I when I say that, I say Facebook ads because what Facebook ads allow you to do is one, you don't have to go through any gatekeepers. So, mm-hmm. getting a BookBub ad is pretty hard. Yeah. Um, getting a free booksy is not so hard, but you still have to work with their schedule when they uh-huh. have availability mm-hmm. um, and all those other sorts of, of, of sites. But Facebook ads allows you to start advertising your book today, mm-hmm. and you can advertise it every day, and mm-hmm. you can sort of build up sort of a snowball effect. You know, more downloads generate more downloads, generates more exposure, generates more downloads, etc. Now, let's. You Uh, said something. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you said something very interesting. You don't go for the sale. You you go for the exposure to trigger the algorithm in Amazon. So, what is your target URL for these Facebook ads? Um, I go directly to the book. In Amazon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Uh, but wait a minute, but then how do you put the pixel on there? Oh, the pixel's in your book. The Facebook yeah, pixel. Yeah, the, okay. the website custom audience pixel. Yeah, that's in your the website book. Custom, yeah, it's not in the book. It's in a page that is linked to from the book. Okay. So you have to have basically started reading or finished reading my book mm-hmm. to reach that custom audience pixel. And that's why it's such a powerful tool because it only tracks people who have actually read the book. Yeah. And then your ad links directly to the Amazon uh, book page. Yes. 
Okay, you see, that, that I was doing it wrong already. I was linking to one of my pages and <laughs> yeah. okay. Interesting, interesting. Because every every page that you have in between your ad and your download is going to reduce your conversion. Friction. Yeah, it's one extra step and people are terribly lazy. So um, yeah, so this is awesome because you use a Facebook ad, you get them to your uh, your 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 um Amazon page. So how does that trigger the algorithm? Mm. It just triggers it by downloads. So okay. I'm just running people and, and hoping that they download, you know, a good book cover, a good blurb, a good story, mm-hmm. a good first 10 pages or whatever, the 10%, I mean. Yeah. And 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 just hope that they download it. And the cool thing is is that with Kindle Unlimited, those downloads as far as I can tell count a little bit more than regular books. So if I'm targeting people who have Kindle Unlimited and they 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 kind of are are loose with their down, you know they'll download mm-hmm. kind yeah. of any book that looks interesting and just put it on Kindle. Yep. Those downloads add up and it gets me exposure and the rest is history. Interesting. This is gold. This is gold. This is this is see this is the stuff nobody would even thought of at least not me. <laughs> um, so. Now again, because my list, my my members are almost all beginners like me. I just started in 2015 seriously making books, and mm-hmm. you know I had my little, I had my little, I had a bestseller in an anonymous book, uh, in yeah. a in a decent category, but nothing to brag about, you know. Yeah, at same, yeah. At the same time, it wasn't a one book category. <laughs> yeah. But I can't brag about it because it's anonymous. So. Uh, for these, uh, everybody that, that's still thinking they're gonna write a book and, and then run Facebook ads, do you validate your books? Cause I'm always telling people, don't write a book until you know people are gonna buy it. So, you know, do what, you know, Nick Stevenson and, and, uh, Noah Kagan and, uh, Simon Whistler that, you know, uh, Jim Kural, Kukral, you, you put your cover on a webpage or you, you send everybody your cover and ask them to buy it first. That, this just, just one example. Uh, so, the point is you don't push your books out there uh, blindly, right? So do you do any kind of validation? Uh, no, actually I don't. Interesting. Um, I don't validate my books like those guys. Okay. Um, what I'll do is and, – and the reason is because it, it, with fiction anyways mm-hmm. – um, what people want is the same but different. <laughs> and so I basically just use my own internal compass to say, is this a book that I would read? Because mm-hmm. I think one of the important things to understand as a creator or somebody who creates things is that you aren't that different. <laughs> like people aren't – people are unique, yes, but they aren't as unique as they think. Like – yeah. You know, if, if you like a certain, you know, if you like Interstellar, well, guess what? Millions of other people also liked Interstellar. So mm-hmm. if you create a book that's like Interstellar with your own right. little twist, it's gonna sell, right? Like, there's a yeah. t- there's a huge audience out there. So I validate through my consumption. So I so, call this. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I um uh, sometimes I call that indirect validation because. You choose a profitable niche, right? Rule number one, choose a profitable genre or niche and uh, science fiction and romance. Independent authors own science fiction and romance. Mm -hmm. So you choose a profitable niche and then, like you just said, you uh, look at other guys, Interstellar, you emulate them and so you know it will sell, right? Yeah, and I think it's really important too to remember that if you're doing fiction in particular and nonfiction to some degree, you're mm-hmm. in the entertainment business. Yep. So your number one goal it should be to entertain, and the very first person you should entertain with your work is yourself. <laughs> so if if you're not entertained by what you're creating, if you're not like, wow, this is such a cool idea, mm-hmm. then either you need to choose a different genre, or there's there's some tips and tricks you can do to get to that that point in time where you're entertaining yourself but the idea of trying to predict whether a book is going to be a bestseller or not mm-hmm. i think makes for interesting information product training but if it was actually possible mm-hmm. then 
you know, there would be people in Hollywood who do that for a living, and there would never be a movie that lost money. Yeah, but one movies of, lose money all the time. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite threads on the K boards is about uh, I wrote a bestseller, or, or no, I cracked the code for bestsellers. I, I don't know which university it was. I think it was England, and they they uh, uh, analyzed all of these books and the verbs they used and the adjectives, and they said there's uh-huh. a definite trend and. Uh, so um yeah I've I've got my own tool now and I'm going to release that soon and it's it's along those lines and I have found one hard point that all writers or the best selling writers have and I'm I'm this is just a little anticipation now I'm I'm not going to tell anybody but yeah. um uh so yeah I believe that yeah, and yeah I I I agree that there are things that that major successful writers have mm-hmm. what I what I'm afraid that people because I do agree with that. I do agree there are certain things that a book must have in order to be successful, mm-hmm. and I think that's a craft issue, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the the engine of a car must contain certain parts in order for the engine to actually be effective. I think that that's that's similar with successful books. Okay, you, know, you you just preempted yourself. Give us a rundown. What is your 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 summary of those parts? Uh, for writing a book? Yeah, a successful book. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, uh, the stories that I enjoy and the stories that do successful for me uh, or that are successful for me um, are character driven stories. And what that means is that the character could be easily identifiable Mm -hmm. by anything other than what they look like and what their job is in the story. Uh, or what they do, like what actions they take in the story. And what I mean by is there's a really interesting um, video on YouTube, and I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's basically an analysis of episode one of Star Wars, okay. which which is that like Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi and, 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 and all of the characters in those uh, movies, in the first couple movies – you can't describe them without saying what they look like, what job they've done, and like the actions they've taken. Like you can't describe their personality at all. Hmm. And so uh, I think being able to create char- characters that people say, you know, I can describe their personality is really powerful. Um, Interesting. I think, uh, I think that all stories are stressed, but we read. Oh, you're breaking up. Sorry of- about that. Can you? Repeat oh yeah, no, that? it's okay. Yeah, so I think all story, so the fundamental action of story is to to put yourself like through these little mini stress tests. And this is from uh, David Farland, uh, Million Dollar Outlines, which is basically like don't write happy-go-lucky stories. Like the characters that you mm-hmm. create and that you, ha- you have to love and the, and the reader has to mm-hmm. love must go through stressful, hard times mm-hmm. um, because we as humans – Turn to story to experience these stressful times, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, theory, theory. Uh, but basically, yeah. it has to be dark moments and all these sorts of things. And then the last is there are story structural pieces. Read Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. Mm-hmm. Read, you know, there's so many craft books, um, mm-hmm. uh, techniques of the selling writer, et cetera. There are sort of not necessarily plot points, but things that must occur in a story for it to be uh, enjoyable. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so that, that's some awesome tips. But the one about the character-driven, that means you have to have characters that cannot be described except by what they do, so their function. Yeah, Yeah. so basically what you, what you want to do is you want to try and paint a picture of a character who exists outside of the story itself. So what that means is like if your character if, – if your readers can only describe your character as, oh, yeah, he's the guy who chopped off the arm of this other guy, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not really a character as much as that's just a plot point that has a name, right? Mm-hmm. So right. he has to be able to exist with a personality and like – I I was watching The Big Lebowski the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. And that's incredible characters because if you think about the dude and then you think about his two friends, 
you you can you can describe them without describing what they do in the film, without uh, describing what their job is. Oh, and I without, had it backwards. Yeah, yeah, without describing what they look like, right? You could say, well, the dude, he's really relaxed. He kind yeah. of takes things easy, you know, and then his friend, well, he's like a, a Vietnam veteran and he's always bringing up Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then his other friend, he just kind of like is always lost and interjecting, you know. Yeah. So yeah. you can describe them without having to describe those those other three things. And those are real powerful characters. Have you seen uh, – now I understand. Have you seen – uh, the English version of The Office, I think it was actually before the American mm-hmm. one. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is a perfect example because the Americans' characters are developed way better. Dwight yeah. Schrute and the boss uh-huh. and Michael. And uh, in England, uh, the English characters, just all, they're all really snide, but they're all really flat. <laughs> and it's yeah. just not as good as the American one. Man, everybody knows a Dwight Schrute, a volunteer yes. sheriff or a volunteer fireman. Yes. And uh-huh. uh, in, in, in the English one, he's just a real, real snotty jerk, you know, yeah, really yeah. flat character. Mm-hmm. So, so this is my favorite example of character development is the American uh, office versus, versus the um, English office. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. a really good example. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and uh, OK, um, before I just um, dominate your time here, I'll, let's get to some reader questions. OK, uh, one of them was, I'm not sure what to ask, but what is his best kept publicizing tactic hmm. uh i don't necessarily well for me i think it's uh, it comes down to the business plan level i think if you're going to become an, an independently published author a self-published author, your number one thing you need to realize is that you are going into business for yourself mm-hmm. so and like any business you should have a business plan now the business plan that i chose was the Isaac Asimov oh. business plan where he wrote over 500 books. He wrote in like every every Dewey Decimal System category except for one, I think. Um, and he just wrote a lot mm-hmm. and he put those books out. And Isaac Asimov is amazing. He wrote over 500 books, but people only remember him for like three or four. I but robot. that's the – yeah, iRobot. And the Foundation Trilogy. One and of my pretty, favorite authors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And pretty much, you know, beyond that, he's not really known, even though he wrote 500 books. That's what I'm doing. Wow. Um, and the reason that I'm doing it that way is because I'm not – how do I put it? I'm a very risk-averse person. So I'm not going to spend six months on a book and then hope that it's the one that pays <laughs> for that six months of time. Yeah. I'd rather do a book a month. Like right, Isaac, right. Isaac Asimov, you know, write 3,000 words a day, 2,000, 3,000 words a day, publish, 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 and that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so my best kept secret <laughs> is that that's, that's what I do. I mean, I, I'm just not going to mm-hmm. – and, and the great thing is, is that the self-publishing revolution and indie publishing allows you to do that because awesome, yeah. with traditional publishing – you know, it costs them anywhere from a hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to publish a book, right? Like traditional yeah. publishing and how that all works. And they get so a terrible they, cut. What is it? Ten percent average? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're not going to they they I think a lot of people get angry at traditional publishing, but traditional publishing can't afford mm-hmm. to publish like the old pulp writers because it's just too expensive for them yeah whereas self-publishing you know it costs a cover and an editor yep and you can do it over and over and over again and that is one of the reader questions too did or does mr shreve hire ghost authors i did Mm -hmm. i did for like 11 12 books maybe it's 13 and when i say books that does include novellas as well novellas and novels right, right. um i'm not going to anymore mm-hmm. there's just a lot of reasons one it almost takes as much time yeah. to work with a ghostwriter as it does just to do it yourself you have to clean it up huh yeah you got to clean it up you got to tell them what's going on and, and i wrote like james patterson style outlines so mm-hmm. my outlines for a 250 page book would be 80 pages long <laughs> so it's like, you know, put in a little extra time and, and you can control everything a little bit more. Yeah. Um, th- that's that. And then the other part is um, I don't – so now with Kindle Unlimited, you get paid per page. Um, I don't have to write as many books to make more money. Interesting. Uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, I could spend and that's the that's a great thing about this. You know, a lot of people are complaining about Kindle Unlimited yep. and that you get paid per page and these sorts yep. of things. I'm happy to see it because now you can write a 350 page novel and you can get paid hmm. for your 350 page novel where before, uh, you know, to compete, hmm. you kind of have like standard pricing. And mm-hmm. so there's no incentive to write a longer book. Mm-hmm. Now there are incentives to write longer books. And as a reader, I enjoy longer books for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, your books are all in Kindle Unlimited, Kindle Select. Yeah. Mm-hmm, now they um, are. Yeah. Okay, wow, you're going against the stream, huh? <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. A and lot of people if, are mad and, and dropping off now because of the latest changes. Yeah, you know, there's a big author, and I'm not going to say names because, mm-hmm. you know, no disrespect I, or anything, but yep. there was a big author that everybody in the indie world looks to mm-hmm. as an example of being successful. Right. And this particular author has been very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but this particular author put all of their books into Kindle Unlimited and then saw a decrease yep. in their income. Yeah. And they blamed Kindle Unlimited for their decrease in income. Well, I looked at that situation and, and, and I talked with other authors in some other groups. And to me, what the problem with this author was is that they – Yes, maybe Kindle Unlimited did affect their sales slightly, but what had a bigger effect is that this particular author was continuing a single series into book like 18 and 20 mm-hmm. when readers were done reading at book five. <laughs> so they, they kept trying to like pump out this single series and like put more books into it because they, they were trying to like milk yeah. the cash cow, yeah, yeah. if you will. Yeah, yeah, flogging a dead horse. Oh. Yeah, flogging a dead horse, and then they put it all in the Kindle Unlimited to try and revive the series, and it didn't work, and it backfired, and, you know. Interesting. Kindle Unlimited is a great tool for for discovering new books mm-hmm. and new series. Okay. Um, I don't – I wouldn't put, like, books four, five, and six in it if I had books four, five, and six, but I only ever do trilogies anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Always, yeah. always trilogies. Um, yeah, I've never done a standalone. Not yet. I'm going to try it, though, with Kindle Unlimited. You said that uh, in the podcast. Never run a Facebook ad to a standalone or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's simply because just look at the numbers, right? So mm-hmm. a standalone will only make you maybe 2 or $3 per sale. Mm-hmm. A series mm-hmm. can make you 6 to $8 if mm-hmm. somebody goes through all the way. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've given yourself a bigger buffer to have mm-hmm. – you know, to, to, to cover Facebook ads and then all that sort of thing. And then box sets, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, box sets, yep. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's gold, man. Um, uh, talking about business models, what – so you chose the Asimov business model. What are other ones? What's the most lazy, effective business model? Um – I'm talking lazy for guys like me with a, a family and yeah. seriously time-challenged guys like me who have to steal time to write. Yeah. Well, I think that, that the, As- the Asimov model is the lazy model. Oh. I mean, that sounds crazy, but, you know, I wake up at 7 a.m. and I go, and I'm done at 11. I'm also writing uh, for – I still do sales copy. And mm-hmm. sales copy takes up most of my time. I only have about two to three hours a day to devote to fiction at this particular point. Right. The, re- the reason that I think that the Asimov model is the lazy way is that, number one, you can make money faster because you can get books out faster. Hmm. Um, and that money you can use to leverage your time. So you can hire other people to edit and get yep. covers and run your Facebook ads and these sorts of things. Um, but also uh, – it's it's lazy because the only thing you have to really figure out mm-hmm. is where are you wasting time in the day and then fill that time with writing. Interesting. And and the other ways, so you look, look at – and I cannot think of his name right now. There's a really cool guy. I'm like a big fan of his like business sense and savvy. He used to have a startup and he sold the startup and he was retired for three years and then he wrote science fiction hmm. and it was like international bestseller. Hmm. Oh, like why am I blanking on it right now? His <laughs> books are still in like the top 10 of, of, um, you know, the first of letter of his fiction. name. No, I cannot think <laughs> of it right now. Um, and I can't even think of the title of his books. 
It's like there's a picture of a crashed airplane and a woman walking towards the airplane departed hmm. or I don't know. Um, huh. I'll look it up really quick. Um, but I like his model because or, or I don't like his model because what he did was he spent like two years writing the first book. Oh, yeah. Now, to me, that seems like way more work because he spent two years writing the book. And then he spent like another year selling the book. That's now, where I come with validation. Validate it before you spend two years on it. Yeah, and and I don't. I have made and lost enough money to not trust my ability <laughs> to pre-validate anything. That's a weird um, question. How did Mr. Shreve lose 150 grand when he started? So I lost 150 grand, and that this was actually not with fiction. Ah, this was a different business. It was for a, a client-based business. I basically lost money by giving someone else the reins to my business, ah, which is one control. of the reasons why I'm getting away from ghostwriting. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they basically just blew through money that I then had to chase with more money, and yeah. then had to, you know, it just got to be a big mess. Yeah, this is uh, for the readers out there. This is actually in the podcast. I will have to link to it. Um, you explain that rather well and uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, but uh, that's why I wanted to continue from that podcast, what we missed. So another one from the readers is how exactly to set up a profitable Facebook ad. You kind of we, – we kind of already went over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But so so go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and I think um, just really quick side note. I just found it. It's A.G. Riddle is the name of the guy I was talking ah. about, the Atlantis gene. The dude has is wildly successful, sold over a million copies of his uh-huh. trilogy. A.G. Riddle. Yeah, A.G. Riddle. He's the ex-internet marketing guru guy mm. turned mm. author. He retired, sold his company. Anyways, so okay. to start a Facebook ad um, – the first thing I would do – well, the thing about Facebook ads is it's like as complicated as teaching someone how to write. I mean it's a skill set, advertising as a skill set. How so, about a checklist? Like no, don't run to a standalone. Yeah, don't run to a standalone. At first, only run to free stuff because it's much easier to get people to click if you say, hey, I have something that's free. Mm-hmm. Um Number two is run direct to the Amazon page. Just bring traffic to Amazon. Yep. Use use an Amazon associate link. Yes, I know that. So that okay. you get money. Yep. Excuse me. I'm here. Yeah, sorry. Um, <clears throat> I cover like 80 to 90% of my ad costs with the uh, commissions I make from – Amazon's associate. That is awesome. Affiliates. Uh, yeah. 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 So, it's affiliate marketing, but they, they call it associates in Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the affiliate yeah. link. And so, you know, you'll track, if somebody clicks through your link, it'll track for like 24 hours or whatever. And people hit Amazon and they buy stuff like diapers or, you yeah. know, whatever, yeah. other books and things, and you get commissions on that. Interesting side note to, note to that. I Not with Facebook ads, but I put an Amazon associate link to one of my $2.99 books, and I made uh, almost um, like $10 or something in one month. In one month, okay, because they were going to this other book that was $50, yeah. So, so it's interesting. Yeah. They were going to my book, and then readers also liked this book, and I got a commission for that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm a yeah. big fan of Amazon associate links. So I'm sorry I, I interrupted you. Or no, I, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Put yeah. those in your ads, and you'll make money. Mm-hmm. A year ago, you could cover your Facebook ad costs and, and profit just with running associate links to your books. Now it, it's a little bit more expensive. But um, – and be careful with that. Sometimes Facebook will get weird and say, you know, uh, don't mm-hmm. do that. Sometimes they're not. They, they don't have like a strict policy or anything. Hmm. Um, so you got to just – you're not going to like get your account banned or anything. They just might not approve it. Yeah, but it's only – some, it's a free book, so you're not even – or it's yeah. a 99 cent, two ninety nine. You're either tracking it, but you're not really – you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem with Facebook now is is there's a saying that marketers ruin everything, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, Facebook has just gotten so big that marketers have ruined everything, and now Facebook's kind of being a little silly to 
mm-hmm. everybody hmm. just to try to weed out the bad apples. But yeah. the next the next thing I would do is I would um I would start swiping. So swiping is uh basically taking screenshots of advertisements that got you. And they don't have to be in fiction, right? So some uh-huh. of the best ideas are stolen from somewhere else and applied mm-hmm. to what you're doing. So Emulate. what I'll do Yeah, what I'll do is I'll just jump on Facebook for a while mm-hmm. and just scroll around and if there's an ad that jumps out to me, I'll take a screenshot, mm-hmm. crop it in paint and put it in a little file I have. And it doesn't have to be about books, it doesn't have to be about anything, and then what I'll do is later I'll come back and when I'm creating a Facebook ad, I'll say, "Okay, why does this work?" What about it did it, you know, and you can even take like headlines, right? And you're like, wow, this headline I really, really liked and just like put your own words in there, you know, like instead of get this pro- program on whatever Facebook ads, get get this book on whatever. I do that with uh, my friends who or anybody who wants to write a new book and I say and about the cover, I tell them, go to the grocery store and look at the uh, packaging that. Sometimes you you just can't leave it because that packaging is yeah. so good looking, and exactly. then make your cover like that packaging. Yeah, exactly. And we just saved you what two hundred thousand dollars from design school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so to check this, number one, at first only run to free. Number mm-hmm. two, run to your Amazon page directly, less friction. Uh-huh. Number three, use your associate link as long yes. as face- Facebook lets you. Number four, swipe other. Copies, uh, emulate other um, ads that mm-hmm. caught your eye. Uh, what number else? Five, number five, go to johnloomer.com and absorb all of his stuff. Okay. There are very, very few, and mm-hmm. I have to be careful because I write sales pages for a lot of my clients who, <laughs> sell, who sell Facebook ad training programs, but there are very few paid programs out there mm-hmm. that teach you how to do Facebook ads as effectively mm-hmm. as John Loomer's free blog posts. Awesome. Yeah, you said that in the last podcast too, or on your um, on your web there, and uh, yeah, I've been there. So that's an awesome tip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been reading him too, and uh, there's a lot to absorb there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this checklist is awesome. Uh, anything else? Uh, test split test. So uh, espresso. Yeah, you can use espresso. You can do it manually too. It's just a real big pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, and here's the key to split testing. So a lot of people will put up 10 different ads with 10 different images, mm-hmm. 10 different interests, etc. And that is not how you split test. Oh, what maybe. you do. Yeah, what you do is you put up one ad to one interest and mm-hmm. then you start running that ad and you say, I'm going to improve this ad. Uh-huh. And I'm going to do it by testing one variable at a time. Okay. So a split test would be you have your ad A, which is has the headline, the image. Um, and let's just talk about headline and image for now. So he's got the headline and the image. That's ad A. Oh, and the interest. Okay. Yeah. So you've got image, headline, interest. That's ad A. Mm-hmm. Now to A, B split test, you then just change one of those three things – and mm-hmm. you create a new ad. So let's say we're going to run ad B now has a different headline, mm-hmm. but it's the same image and the same interest as ad A. An interest now you we, choose in Facebook. Yes. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, the Facebook okay. interest or your audience. It could be your custom audience, whatever you're going to use, but only do one at a time. Okay. Now you have two ads running, mm-hmm. ad A and ad B with a different headline than right. ad A. Now okay. you can say, okay, this headline is not performing better than ad A headline. So you scratch ad B, and now you try maybe a different headline. Or you can say, okay, well, we've got the best headline we're going to get. Now mm-hmm. let's try a different ad image. And then mm-hmm. you try different ad images until you find the best ad image. And then you say, okay, let's try interest. And you try, you know, you find the mm-hmm. interest. My recommendation awesome. would be split test the interests first. Okay. Because there's a, a rule called the 40-40-20 rule. It was first put forth by Ed Meyer. It's a direct mm-hmm. response. Anyways. Okay, I only know the 80-20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the 40-40-20 rule is that the success of any advertising campaign is based on – like, so the effectiveness is 40% of your effectiveness comes from 
the audience or the list that is seeing your advertisement, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that means you could put, you know, if you want to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. go uh, sell water for five bucks a pop at a uh, outdoor music festival in the middle of summer, right? Yep. Because it's just a bunch of really thirsty people. Yeah, burning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you 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 won't make any money if you sell water for five dollars a pop in the middle of the winter yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like, so, so that's the difference. So 40% of the success of any ad campaign is the list or the audience that's seeing your offer. The other 40% is the offer itself. Is this something that people want to buy? Mm-hmm. And that in, when it comes to the books is, is it, you know, an interesting book? Did you do a good job on it? Is et cetera? Is the, is it a compelling sounding story? All of these sorts of things. <clears throat> and then 20% is the ad creative itself. So, and then that 20% is broken down to a certain percentage of that is the design. So in Mm -hmm. Facebook, that'd be the image. And then a certain percentage of that is the copy of the ad. So essentially, when you tweak a headline, Mm -hmm. you're being like, you know, a quarter as effective in increasing your conversions as if you tweaked the interest and found a better audience. This is the so awesome. You're giving us the advertising, copy, and psychology uh, tutorial all in one here. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 40-40-20 rule, and who was that? Ed Mayer, M-E-Y-E-R. Yeah, Meyer. In German, back... we say Ed Mayer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was back in the 30s. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally wrong about that, but it was a That's long fine. time ago. Yeah. Awesome, but he's one of the big guys, one of the the best, huh? Yeah, one of the pioneers of direct response marketing. Yeah. Interesting. This is great stuff. Another reader question: What's one thing you wish you knew when you were starting out writing books? I wish that I hadn't boughten into writing is magic. <laughs> the silver bullet. Yeah, you know, I think that you. And again, I don't mean to be offensive, but I just think we live in the information age, and a lot of these old myths need to be busted. Busted out. So yeah, let's do it. You know, I took a, I took a, a writing course in college, and I loved my teacher. She was an awesome person, but she she very much bought into like writing is mysticism and writing is magic and isn't writing mm-hmm. so wonderful and beautiful and life changing mm-hmm. and yeah you know and like you must be in this special zone when you write and it mm-hmm. has to be poetry and all these sorts of things and and yeah. that's just not the case. Yeah. Books books are a product like yeah. any other product mm-hmm. and. You can learn how to make them, and you can make good ones. And right. it's not magic. It really isn't. Like, yeah. there, you know, it's just not magic. And I wish that yeah. somebody would have told me that because I spent a lot of time trying to yeah. figure out, like, what's my genre? What's the what's the thing yeah. that's gonna, you know, like, what's the my mm-hmm. personal passion and all this kind of. Well, tell Stuff. me if you've had this before. I mean, I've met people that have been writing a book for 10 years. They're pouring their life into their first book. Yeah. And, and, uh, I'm, yeah. I tell them, hey, you're never going to finish if you've been writing yeah. that long. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think there's two paths to being a writer. And, and maybe this is why, I mean, it needs to be better about explaining this when I talk about this, but like, if you want to go that route, mm-hmm. you know, and, and make this your life's work, that's totally fine. But yeah. you're not allowed to complain <laughs> that it's not selling. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you didn't do the things necessary to build a business. You just mm-hmm. kind of like looked at yourself and said, well, what do I want? And yeah. a, 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 any business is founded on what can I deliver to people mm-hmm. that will better make their life better. And you said um, that so eloquently in the podcast where you said you write the book that your reader wants or how did you say that? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, write the write the book that your readers want, not necessarily the book that you want to write. Yep. And and I hesitate to say that because there's going to be a lot of people who are be like, "Oh, you don't know anything." And and that's fine. You know, I don't care. I'm still going to write my books and I'm still going to do what I'm going to do, but yeah. like if you look at Hollywood and and the career of a screenwriter, mm-hmm. They, they give that up, right? Or TV. TV is a really good example. I think TV writing is the model that we should mm-hmm. all be looking towards in this new self-published yeah. world. Yeah. And 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 TV writers very much know that when they walk into that writer's room, mm-hmm. 
they have a job to do. They have yeah. an enter. They their job is to entertain people. It's not to like look at themselves and be like, oh, what do I want to do? You know, yeah. it's it's not that kind of like self possessed yeah. yeah. best yeah. you know approach. Exactly. And they yeah. and they're willing to create that thing. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really important as writers. Yeah. And and if you accept that as that's the reality of creating books in the 21st century in 2015, then you can kind of like you you break yourself free. Like you're free of all these like impossible yeah. to pin down ideas like yeah. personal passion and all these sorts oh, of yeah. weird crazy ideas. You know what Scott Adams you, says about passion, right? I'm not sure who Scott, Scott Adam, Adams is. Scott Dilbert. Dilbert, the the, the guy from Dilbert, the, the Dilbert creator. Oh, yeah. No, what does he say? Oh, he's got an awesome presentation. You have to read his um, blog. There's so much gold in there. And uh, he says passion is bullshit. You know, <laughs> If you start yeah. making a million dollars selling toilet brushes, I bet you'll get passionate about toilet brushes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know uh, yeah, I like uh, the way I've heard it, and I can't remember who told me this, but the, the passion – be passionate about your business. Mm-hmm. Be passionate about the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then that will more easily allow you to be passionate about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate writing. And, and that's not like a line. Like, I seriously, I hate, I hate writing. <laughs> there are so many, like, I write so that I can do other things. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I think that uh what i'm passionate about are my readers you know I, the, the other day i got an email from someone who said i'm dyslexic mm-hmm. and thank you so much for writing the way you write cuz i write very simply i'm not eloquent yeah. at all oh, that's awesome it was one of the it was one of the first few books i was able to finish and i absolutely loved it mm-hmm. and you know that's what i'm passionate about right am i passionate about about my stories yes because I want my stories to affect people, mm-hmm. not because I'm like so in love with this world I created and like, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, all this sort of weird kind of stuff. But um, yeah, but that gets yeah, back to, to my – yeah, go Scott ahead. Adams stuff. Yeah, I'll have to look up that Scott Adams talk. That sounds way up my yeah, alley. Yeah, he's, he's got a blog and he puts some amazing stuff in there and um, – you can you can I'll send you the link later. Uh, but yeah. he's got several presentations with Rexy Media. He showed the art of presentation, and it's in his blog. So if you Google Scott Adams Rexy presentations blog or something, it'll probably take you straight to it. And uh, really good stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, he 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 thinks passion is BS. So uh, and I think it, it I think it is a buzzword too. You know, and and that yeah. gets yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think what's, you know, as I said in the other podcast, you know, I write for a lot of these guys that that sell these products and it absolutely is a sales pitch. But what's even more important, I think, is think about what you were passionate about five years ago. Yeah. And you're probably not passionate about those same things now. Mm. Right. Like people change and your passions change. And I think you have to you have to separate passion from your business because mm-hmm. if you want your business to last more than your short attention span <laughs> it has to be about something other than passion right like yeah. there has to be yeah. something you know i want to write for the rest of my life like i finally have found a career that i love i yeah. want to do it for 40 years i want to do, do it till the day i want to die in the chair writing <laughs> not awesome. i love it yeah. but because i'm you know because this is a business i love and wow wouldn't it be great to have my, my name yeah uh, you know, get around even when I'm dead, even if it's yeah. not big, you know, just on Amazon, I still mm-hmm. exist, right? You All are my benchmark now, and I'm going to do the Asimov business model a la Mike Shreve. So I yeah. have a clear way now. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another reader question was, what is the most important skill you should learn in order to become a successful writer? The most important skill you should ever learn to be a successful writer is time management. Oh, tell because, us about your time management. So I do – I have two pieces of software that help me. The first is Simpleology, simpleology.com. Mm-hmm. I do believe they have a free version of it. I'm pretty sure they have a free version of it. Simpleology.com and rescuetime.com. Yeah, I think they both have free options. I use the paid options just because I use them pretty advanced. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And 
if you actually track your time, and the thing about Rescue Time is it's an app that runs on your computer 24 hours a day. Yeah, but it you blocks can't. Facebook, and that's where you're running your ads. So, oh no, it doesn't. Um, so Rescue Time, you can set up to there's a there's a focus time so within rescue time and within simpleology there's something you can turn on which is like a focus time which ah. you can create a list of websites that are distracting to you mm-hmm. what rescue time does it's just the the main software itself is it tracks everything you do hmm. and you can categorize like if i'm on this site to categorize it as distracting or if i'm on this site categorize it as productive or from this site categorize it as neutral now Mm. when you have rescue time tracking everything you're doing i guarantee you will find that you have not been as productive (laughs) as you thought you had been and that you've and that you've been quite distracted and that you know um and so one of the cool things about rescue time is that it can't lie It'll tell you what you actually did. And you say, oh, I spent 10 hours today writing. And really what you did is you spent eight hours <laughs> on the Internet, two yep. hours actually writing. Um, so I think discipline is the number one skill of writers. I think mm-hmm. the difference between a successful writer and a non-successful writer is that the successful writer figured out how to spend more time writing, actually writing. Not mm-hmm. thinking about writing, not talking about writing, not researching, <laughs> not editing, but writing um, than the other person. And I think right. that's the only difference. Right. Because – So yeah, what does Simpleology do different than Rescue Time? Simpleology is a productivity app. So Rescue Time will tell you what you're missing. Simpleology will help you fix what you're missing. Hmm. So Simpleology is like a step-by-step uh, habit creator. Uh-huh. They have like videos that you, you just sit down and you like watch these 10-minute videos and they adjust according to your abilities. Huh. And, and it's like, hey, today you're going to do this and then tomorrow you're going to do this. So it's all about increasing your ability to be productive. Interesting. And then Rescue Time – Rescue time will track everything. Awesome, awesome. That is some interesting stuff. I, I've heard of rescue time, but not simpleology. I will be definitely checking that out. So, yeah. where is my grab bag question? You know, my favorite question is: if you could have dinner with anybody, living or dead, past or present, who would it be? Uh, for me, it would definitely be Isaac Asimov. Ah. I would like to just sit down. Mm-hmm. And just talk to the guy. I mean, he's just a super interesting guy in, you know, number one, a PhD in chemistry and all these sorts of things. But I just want to talk to him about his attitudes, mm-hmm. you know, because he was he was he started his career as a pulp writer ah. and he 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 was never ashamed of being a pulp writer. And I think right. there's, you know, Dean Wesley Smith has a lot of very interesting articles about this, but there's a lot of shame right now in writing fast. I would want to ask him how he got over that. How did he just say, well, screw you guys. I'm going to write fast anyways. You know what I think with um, every generation, uh, nobody – well, most of the kids nowadays don't know what pulp is. So I think mm-hmm. it's going away mm-hmm. because Amazon is the default book uh, criteria. So you say mm-hmm. you published a book on Amazon and you tell the kids nowadays uh, pulp or novella. They don't know the difference. So I think yeah, through the yeah. generations, uh, if we just stop using the word, it's the yeah. we're going to unstigmatize the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Isaac Asimov is then obviously your favorite author. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he yeah. Worked, he's yeah. he's my favorite working writer. My favorite author is um, uh, Philip K. Dick. Oh yeah, Orange yeah. County. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, one of my favorites. The. Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that Tom Cruise film? You know, after the guy's dead, they make all of these blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Thanks, you know? yeah. Uh, Minority uh, Report. Minority yeah. Report. I mean, this guy yeah. was just one awesome book after the other. And and yeah. uh, like Blade Runner, it took mm-hmm. a generation or two, and now they're cult. You yeah. know? Yeah. 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 Philip K's awesome. Um what else? What What do you want to say? What would you like to ask the readers or say anything you want? Um, I would say just treat this like a business. That's mm-hmm. what it is. 
-hmm. Remember, you're in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember to entertain yourself first. Remember that people will only give you money if you give them value. Uh, don't get caught up in the magic of writing. It's just a job. It's just a business. The, there's no reason to wait to get started because, you know, you look at guys like, uh, James Patterson or Nora Roberts or Stephen King and you look at the books they're putting out and you say, oh my gosh, I can't write like that. Well, Stephen King couldn't write like that 20 years ago either. Yeah. You know, yeah. it took him 20 years to get there. So just get started. Don't. So writing is the mental game. Don't put pressure on yourself. I recommend everybody take the Isaac Asimov model because you know what? I write a book and I don't have to worry about whether it's going to be a bestseller. Hmm. If it's a bestseller, great. There's no pressure. You know, I didn't spend six months on it. It's, it's going to sell and it's going to sell enough copies and I'm going to write the next one. And mm-hmm. eventually one of these will break out and, you know, and, and sometimes they do break out and sometimes they don't and just, just remove the pressure. And then lastly, Learn mm-hmm. to discipline yourself. Learn mm-hmm. to discipline yourself. And and the key to solving all of your problems, financial, personal, lifestyle, is to create stuff. Mm-hmm. So just go make stuff, as much <laughs> of it as you possibly can. You'll get better over time. You'll have more fun, um, and you'll yeah. make money. But emulate emulate uh, a, a good author with good covers and a profitable niche, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the profitable niche thing is hard to determine because people say horror doesn't make any money. Well, hmm. G- well, Stephen King made forty-eight million dollars last year in horror. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's emulate. I think it's more important than successful niche would maybe be this a group of successful authors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? No. Awesome, I think Mike. That's about it. Thank you so much for your time. I've been riding along. Maybe you've heard my keyboard, and uh, this is gold stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna pack it up and make uh, make a book. And no, I'm only kidding. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. I love it. And thanks for taking your time out of your day for us, because I know you write ten thousand words a day. So um, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to more interviews with you. And I'm gonna go on that Asimov plan. Uh, yeah. I've been so busy, uh, with other things and, uh, like running my blog and, and all this other stuff. And, but I have to get back to writing books too. And, yeah. uh, and I really look forward to talking to you again. And, uh, so your website is mikeshreve.com? Mm-hmm. mikeshreve.com. I'm going to be putting out a blog post this week on how to write 15,000 words a day. It'll be a pretty big one. I think it's going to be like 8,000 words long. So, if anyone's interested on how to kind of increase their writing productivity, that blog post will be up. I don't sell any information products. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't really sell even nonfiction books. So y'all can yeah. come, MikeShreve.com. There's a lot of stuff there. Exactly. I'm try and share as much as possible. Awesome. Thanks again, Mike. And I will. Thanks for having me. Yes, excellent. And everybody, go to MikeShreve.com. The information there is gold. And uh, and I will see you guys next time.